So, um, so we've been talking about, we're going to talk about soulful conversations with God, but I want to start this morning by having a soulful conversation with you guys um, to say thank you. Most of you, many of you know that my father uh, transitioned from this life um, to his heavenly place, um, received a new body as a gift, and uh, his body was long wanting for a new body. And so um, I just want to say thank you. You guys have prayed for me and blessed me, and you sent me cards, and for my family, and uh, I was telling someone at the funeral service, I said, when you're a pastor, and you are pastoring a church who just loves Jesus so much, you're pastored by hundreds of people. They come, and they pastor you, and they shepherd you through these moments, and uh, so I'm so grateful for that. My heart is full because of it, and I just want to say thank you. So um, thank you for all those things. My, I feel like you brought God's grace a little closer to me. And that's allowed me to have some soulful conversations with God. And I, I need to have more of those this summer. Um, anytime you have a loss, it's really good to be able to have conversations with God about that, not just avoid it. My mom and I were talking, and she was saying how um, the week after my dad had passed, how she was staying really busy because then she didn't have to think about it. And I said, well, I said, I know where I get that then. I said, but you and I both need to take breaks to have some soulful conversations, to let the tears come so that we can talk to Jesus about it. So, um, so I just want to say thanks for that. Um, that's really, really important to me, and I'm glad that I'm at a church just like that. So let me stop for a second and pray for you and bless all of you as well this morning as we get into this topic. Lord Jesus, I'm so glad that you're someone who listens, that you made it possible for us to know without a doubt that you understand the things that we go through because you've lived them yourself. And I'm thankful um, to be part of a spiritual family who loves and who offers your grace. God, I pray that this morning um, you would help us to have soulful conversations with you. Even this morning, God, that you would open the doors of our heart in new ways to to be honest with you and to, to let you see us the way we need to be seen, to allow you into a space in our lives, God, where we need to hear from you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Okay, so this morning, we are, this is one of the only sermons in this whole conversation that we're going to have that is not from Paul, um, but it is from Jesus. And it's a, it's a conversation that Jesus had and an opportunity that Jesus had to talk about what's holding people back and his reaction to what's holding back. And there's a lot we can learn about his reaction to what was holding back people from real conversations with God. Okay, so when I think about things that are holding you back, like barriers. Like if you ever had a barrier in your life that you're just like, you tried to get through it, like a traffic jam or, or something, you're just like, the exit's right there and I can't quite get to it. And it's so frustrating. And I was thinking about one of those stories for myself this week and I was thinking about second grade. Um, so any of you can actually remember back that far to second grade, um, you picture, you know, this little kid in second grade and we had this little elementary school out in the country and at the top of the hill above by our elementary school was this really steep hill that went down to the soccer field. Now, one day in the winter, we had one of those great Pennsylvania snows when you're a kid. You know, the kind where it snows like six or eight inches, and then it freezing rains on top. So there's this nice thick coating of ice on it, right? You could pick up speed down a hill like crazy. Now, we were second graders, right? So you never even went through the ice. Man, when you, when you sailed down a hill, you went. So as all second grade boys decided to do, we were like, Let's play King of the Hill at the top of this hill, 
Like, let's, let's see who can knock the other people down the hill and is left standing at the end. So we played this the entire recess. Little did we think about the fact that once we were at the bottom of the hill, we might not be able to climb back up. And so the recess bell rang, and there's like 10 of us down here at the bottom of the hill. And the kid who's still up there at the top, who's claiming victory, realizes, like we try to start cutting up the hill, he realizes we can't get up the hill. And you know what he does? Like any boy would do. He bails on us. He's like, see you guys, I'm king of the hill. I'm going in. And we, our teacher came out, and she, bless her heart, she was an old curmudgeon, and she probably should have retired five years before she did. She was so angry, and she stood at the top of that hill, and she was giving it to us, and we're desperately trying to climb the hill and just couldn't get back up until someone else came out and came down around and led us the long way around to get back up the hill. But that... I still remember trying to get up that hill and knew and knowing, oh, man, we are in so much trouble. We're trying, and you just can't get there. It's really frustrating. And for a lot of us in our spiritual lives, we've experienced the same kind of frustrations, haven't you? Like, haven't you been at those places where you wanted to be desperately close to God, and yet something was holding you back, and you just were coming up short of what God wanted? Haven't you been in those places where there's just been just enough distraction in your life? She's like, I wish I could have this conversation, an intimate thing with God during the week, and yet it feels like I'm just going through the motions. Have you been at that place where you wish you were just able to be a little bit more honest with God, and you were frustrated because you wouldn't, you couldn't? And that's not a new problem. That's a problem that has existed for thousands of years. For thousands of years, people have had the same problem, barriers between them and God. And Jesus came to help us. I mean, that one of his big purposes of living on this planet was to model and to teach and to show us how we can get from where we were to be close to God, to know God the way he always intended us to know him. But there were barriers, there were frustrations, because when that happens, our life changes, and that's what Jesus wanted for us. Now, he was so passionate about it that twice in his ministry, he did something kind of radical, kind of crazy. Um, probably for you and I would be like, oh my, that would be crazy if you can imagine like ha- having this happen. So in John chapter 2, it describes the first example, and, and that's at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's not well known. He's done some miracles, but he walks into the temple, and he sees like, he gets into there, and he's in the court of Gentiles, and the court of Gentiles in the temple is like the outermost place of the temple. So if you can imagine the temple is like chambers walking in closer and closer to the Holy of Holies, a place where God's presence was, where only a priest could go because the presence of God was so thick and so holy. And so the court of Gentiles is the outermost chamber. It was a place for outsiders to be able to come in and investigate faith and what that looked like and felt like. And so Jesus walks into the beginning of his ministry and he sees this. And there is no prayer happening there. There is only distraction. There are people selling things and it is a crazy place. And so he takes a whip out and he gets serious. And I mean, can you imagine like, Imagine just walking into your local church, right, and taking the whip out, and you're drawing, like, this is wrong, and going crazy, and, like, people are going to think you're nuts. You're completely off your rocker. Well, this is Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. And then fast forward to the end of his ministry. In Matthew chapter 21, it's recorded that he goes back in, and now this is after Jesus is not, like, some kind of unknown prophet at this point. This is the person that when someone says, who is that guy, people answer, He's the prophet. We think he's the Messiah. We want him to be our king. And so he's got clout now, and he walks into the temple, and he starts turning over tables. He goes crazy on people. He's going postal on it. 
And, and we, can, we find it in Matthew chapter 21. And I just want to read it to you for a second and explore that story with you today as we talk about our own barriers. So here's a scene. Jesus has just come off of this moment, this Palm Sunday moment, where people are saying, Hosanna, King of Kings, we want you to rule. You are the man. We will follow you. Man, we're, we're declaring you. We can't wait till you upset Rome. And this is where Jesus is coming off of when he walks into the temple. And Jesus enters, says in verse 12 of Matthew 21, Jesus entered the temple courts. This would be the court of Gentiles. And he drove out all who were buying and selling there. Okay, so let's talk about the buying and selling in a second so you get a context for this. There is buying and selling going on there because of two things. Okay, there's, there's buying, there's selling, and there's money changers. There are people buying because they came to the temple from far away and they want to worship, they want to have a, a, an act of repentance, which was an act of sacrifice, a blood sacrifice that would point to Jesus' sacrifice. It was their way of repenting and saying, God, I'm sorry for being far from you. I'm sorry for making my own choices. I want to come back to you. I want to be close to you. So people are buying things there because if you couldn't afford it, you didn't have a lamb or you couldn't afford it, you might come and you might buy a dove, an innocent white dove, as your practice. So, so it was making it possible for them to do what they needed to do. Okay? So, so there's buying and selling going on. There's also money changing going on because at the temple, the people would come in and they would have Roman currency with, this, with Caesar's, Augustus's face on it. And the, and the priests were like, no, 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 we're, we're not putting that into the treasury. We have temple coins that you can make your offering with. And so they would have to exchange their Roman currency or whatever currency from where they were at for temple currency so they could make their offering. So all of this was to make their religious experience easier. So allow them to pull it off. So you would think like, okay, well, well, now this all makes sense. Like, it's actually all supposed to help them and make it more efficient. And so it says that Jesus came in, and he observes all them selling. It says he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he said, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And Jesus says, listen, I, I, can't, I can't let all this go down. See, all of it was set up to make the religious experience a little more efficient, a little easier for people to get to, a little more convenient. But as it turns out, Jesus didn't come to make efficiency the point of our relationship with God. I mean, sometimes we make efficiency the point of our lives, but that's not really a good point in a relationship, is it? I mean, fellas, next time your wife tries to tell you a long story and you try to make it efficient, tell me how that turns out, right? It's not good for your relationship to try to be efficient. And this is what Jesus is saying, like, stop trying to make this efficient. This is not the point. The point is that you could have a close relationship with God. But it was hard. And you imagine if you're an outsider to faith, this is the court of Gentiles. It's for outsiders of the Jewish faith. It was their way to be a witness to the world. And people step into here and say, is this what God is about? Is this what all this is about? There's this maze for them to get through. And they could never have a moment with God. And then Jesus clears it out. And it says that the blind and the lame came to him at the temple. And he healed them. This is God's very goal. And the worst part of all of this is that people were shocked by it. 
that no one seemed bothered by the fact that they were in the temple. And they were hundreds of yards from the very presence of God. They didn't feel it. They didn't sense it. They didn't know it. And there was a maze for them to get to. Now, you and I have the same issues. Jesus actually calls, and Paul calls the temple, this is the temple now. There's not a place that we go to. Jesus came to abolish the place that you had to go to. He said, no, 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 the temple will now be you. And if you'll invite me into your life, if you'll make me your forgiver and make me your leader and surrender to me, you will be the temple that I will indwell. So now he says, listen, you, you and I, we have the same kind of problems. We have places in our life that we wish we were closer. I know that you all wish you were closer to God than you already are. And the reason I know that is you showed up today. You showed up here. It's a nice day. You could be doing a thousand different things, but you're here. You're here in a place to go, how can I be closer to God? And something in your life is distracting you. Something in your life is frustrating to you. Somewhere in your life, deep in your heart, you know that there's something holding you back and you're not having the life-changing relationship that you deeply desire. That's what Jesus came to address, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And So if you want to pull out your outline today, it's in this little thing that says the scoop on the front. You can follow along. The scriptures are in there, and there's some blanks to fill in to help you follow along as we talk about this conversation today of what is holding you back. What in your life is holding you back? The first thing I want to talk about is internal barriers. What are the internal barriers that are holding you back? So when people went into the temple and there was this maze of buyers and sellers and all these money changers, like in that moment, there was barriers that were keeping people from discovering the presence of God, from having to be in a house of prayer. But now we are the temple. And the barriers and the tables that need turned over are in our life. Now imagine if you could read the same scripture as you as the temple. Imagine the same moment that Jesus wants to have in your life. In verse 12, it says, Jesus enters you and your temple. He enters the interior of your heart. And he drives out all the distractions. He drives out all the barriers. He wants to upset. He overturns the tables and says, no more. I don't want this. does not belong in your life. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life this morning. Now, you and I, you probably, you probably relate to this. I know some very religious people. I've been one of these religious people that do have lots of religious activities. And they do their devotions in the morning, and they say great prayers, and they, they might give great offerings. But when it comes to the relationship with God, there's something lacking. I mean, you meet them, and you know, and maybe sometimes you are them, and you, you've done all the religious things, and yet inside, there's still this sense of emptiness, this sense of like, there's got to be something or there's this moment for you that you, you look in your, your life and you're being honest, you're just going, why isn't this translating into that relationship? Why is it that I, I want so much more and yet I can't seem to love my spouse the way I want to? I can't seem to treat my kids the way I desire to. I can't seem to be with those people at work in the way that would make them discover Jesus too and see that in me. That there's some aspect of your spirituality that you're just like, there's lacking. 
And as a result, it leaves you frustrated. It makes you go, oh, God, I want something more. It makes you feel a little bit like, have you ever been in one of those corn mazes that they offer around Pennsylvania in the summer? That moment where you realize like you're in the maze and you're like, no matter, I have been down every path in here and I can't seem to find my way out. You know what I'm saying? You get to keep coming to dead ends and you're like, what is going on? Why can't I find my way? And it becomes very frustrated. And though you try everything that you can try, it doesn't seem to be enough. And the reason it doesn't seem to be enough is because we're trying to get the right list, to get the right things. We're all tempted to boil our lives down to this like X plus Y equals Z in our relationship with God. You know, if I, if I do X and I take a left here and then I take a right here and then I do all the right things, then my relationship with God ought to be great. Like I just, I just got to do the right things and then everything's good. We're all tempted to boil our Christianity down to a list. Like just... Tell me how to be a good dad, and I will check it off. Now, I'm not saying that it's not good to know those things. Those are good things to know. Tell me how to be a good spouse. Tell me how to be a good parent. Tell me how to do this. Tell me how to do that. Tell me how to be a great worker. Like, all those things are great. But do you know what happens when you get all of those lists together? How many of you are list checkers? And when you get those lists together, and you compile them all, and all of a sudden you realize there is no way. Like, you keep trying to check them off, and you realize there's no way to get them all checked off. There's no way for you to make all the right decisions all the time and be spot on and everything to happen, and you end up feeling like that list is crushing you. You feel like there's no way for me to complete it. And you can have your life filled with doing all the right things and still not be filled with Jesus. And part of that journey is recognizing that it's not, a relationship with God isn't just about doing the right things on the outside. It's about addressing what's going on on the inside. It's about addressing how do you feel that God feels about you. Like, you might know that God is loving and yet still wonder if he's judging you. You might, you might feel like, no, God, Jesus said, you no, know, God, God's love. And yet your picture of him when you go to have a soulful conversation and get honest with him is that he might be a little angry or upset over what you just did in your life, over what's going on in your life. You might feel like, oh, no, God's, you might say, oh, the Bible says that God's accepted. Jesus accepts us, and he wants to work in our lives. But inside, when you go to have soulful conversations with God, you think, I'll never measure up. God, every time I come here and tell you this thing again and confess it to you or talk to you about it, just feel like I'm never going to measure up. You have impossible expectations for me. See, and this is why Jesus turned over the temple, the tables in the temple, was to say, stop making a relationship with God about the wrong things. Now, one of the, one of the people in, in the scripture who I think really got this, and, and you can relate to him if you feel like, if you ever feel like, I make bad decisions. Like, I want to make the right decisions, and I mess up sometimes. Do you ever feel like, I don't always get this right, and sometimes I want to have these conversations with God, but I don't think they're very spiritual, and I hope that you don't ever actually have to hear them, because who knows what I say in them. Then you will relate to this guy. His name was David. And David was called a man after God's own heart. And in Psalm 51, this is what David says about sacrifice after he makes a pretty big mess up has adultery, commits murder. This is is what he has to say. 
He says, God, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. In other words, God, he says, I'm recognizing, God, that I could bring any number of sacrifices, do anything, any number of religiously good and moral things in my life, and you would still not delight in it. You, will not, you do not take pleasure in my burnt offerings. Well, why, David? Why doesn't God take pleasure in those things? This is verse 17 of Psalm 51. He says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. God, you will not despise. For some of us, we have asked this question for so long. God, what do you want? What do you want, God? What do you want? The question we should have been asking is, God, who do you want? And the answer is you. He wants you. He wants all of you. He wants those places in your heart that you don't even want. He wants every part of you that you go, I don't even like that about me. He says, I want that too. He wants all those future plans and dreams that you think are going to set you up to, to make you feel good with other people or to make you feel good with God. And he says, I want those too. And some of you have some internal barriers, some work to do in saying, I will surrender all of me to God. And some of you have tried hard all your life to win his favor. To even after saying, Jesus, I surrender my life, I'm going to be, be my forgiver, be my leader. Even after that, you have strived to win God's favor, to do the right things. And you feel like, oh, i got to keep the, you're still on the balance scale a bit of like, I don't want to be outside God's favor and I want to win his love. And God, aren't you smiling at me? And some of you have given up. You're like the people selling in the temple where they just said, well, I'm just going to be here. I'm, I'm just feet from God's presence, but I... I guess this is all I am. I guess I'm not really ever going to be holy enough to have it. And some of you just, you've given up in a way that just says, I haven't made that decision. I just let my life become filled with busy of activities. I mean, I'm, I'm running my kids around. I'm changing diapers. I'm, I'm spending my time at work to get ahead. And what you need from God, what you need from Jesus, is not all the busyness. It's not all trying to fulfill yourself. You need to allow God to do this in the, in the corn maze and to give you a view and to say, let me go with you to look at your heart because it's so complicated and you're not going to find your way out on your own and you need to come sit with me. You need to have a soulful conversation with me because for some of you, striving to win God's love is the very thing that is keeping you from surrendering to God's love. Trying to figure out the maze on your own is the very thing that is keeping you from being in the presence of God. And God's saying, let me guide you through that. Let me, why don't you depend on me? In the same way as if we try to fulfill and do things on our own and find fulfillment, it will be the very thing that keeps us from being fulfilled by God. Because he's the only one that can do it. Down deep, we all have those barriers. It might be sin, it might be perfectionism, it might be fear, somewhere down in you, you know that there's something that's confusing to you and you need to have that soulful conversation with God. You need to let him point it out. Not just try to figure it out on your own, but allow God to point it out. Because I think Jesus wants to come into your life and he wants to turn over some tables. He wants to come inside of you and turn over some tables and I know you're going like, no, I don't want all those tables. That sounds messy and, and it sounds like it's chaos and you'll be glad that you it's that place that we are able then to come and be with Jesus. You'll be glad that you did, that you allowed him in. So what's holding you back? What's 
made your life so full that it feels empty. God wants to free you from it. Let me talk about the next thing that Jesus did in the temple, and that's this thing could be holding you back too, and that's no direct connection with God. You might have no direct connection. When Jesus came into the temple, he wanted to get rid of this maze because what he was doing is setting up. He knew that he was about to go to the cross, and people weren't going to have to go through the maze at the temple to get to God anymore. They weren't going to have to be all these sacrifices. They weren't going to have to go to a priest. They could go right to their own high priest, which is Jesus Christ. They could go right to God himself and have an incredible relationship with God. And I think most of us want that, but we settle for so much less. We're a bit like your, my friends at DirecTV, who if you've seen these commercials, you're going to enjoy the next few minutes. Let's watch and see, just see if you can relate to this kind of settling in your own life. Ah, greetings, neighbor. Neighbor boy. Yeah, so we're just bringing your son home. He really loves our wireless direct TV receiver. <laughs> he should know better. We're settlers. We settle for cable. But let us repay you for your troubles. Fresh milk for the journey home. We live right there. Salted meats. No, thank you. That's that. Don't be a settler. Get a $100 reward card when you switch to DirecTV. Dear, why don't we switch to DirecTV? Now, Mother, we are settlers. I've settled for cable all my life. But DirecTV has been number one in customer satisfaction over cable for 15 years. We find our satisfaction elsewhere. The boy has his stick and hoop. The girl, her faceless doll. <laughs> and you have your cabbages. And you... Have your foot stomping. I sure do. Don't be a settler. Get a $100 reward card when you switch to DirecTV. Dear, if we had DirecTV, we could put TVs anywhere without looking at cable wires and boxes in every room. Mother, we are settlers. We settle for cable and the simpler things in life. Like our drab clothing. That's right, daughter. And homemade haircuts. Exactly, boy. Besides, if it weren't for wires, how would cousin Tobias get his privacy? Hey, shut the blanket. I need my privacy. <laughs> Don't be a settler. Get a $100 reward card when you switch to DirecTV. Whoa. Father, why can't we have DirecTV like the McGregors do? We're settlers, son. We settle for things, like having cable instead of DirecTV. Hey, Jebediah. How's it going? Working the land, hoping for a fertile spring. All right. So... We have to live with lower customer satisfaction? I'm afraid so. Now, go churn us some butter, boy, and then make your own clothes. Yes, sir. Don't be a settler. Get a $100 reward card when you switch to DirecTV. Pop, I know we settle for cable, but DirecTV has been number one in customer satisfaction over cable for 15 years. How about over 15 satisfying years with that woman over there? Boiling your clothes. Her layers and layers of layers hair that I've rarely seen because it's always under that bonnet and how she fought <laughs> off that grizzly and made him into these slippers <laughs> that's satisfaction son don't be a settler get a hundred dollar reward card when you switch to direct tv I'm sorry I just it was like you gotta play all these commercials because they're really I find them hysterically funny but they relate to our own lives because we settle too we might not settle in that extreme way but we have a moment that we're just like we settle for a connection with God that is less than direct. We settle for connections with God that aren't as intimate as we desire, and we just we give in. And we, we find ourselves in places where we've maybe gone to a worship experience or, or we've, we've listened to somebody on the TV or radio, and, man, we were inspired, and then we wake up the next day only to find out that 
all of that inspiration and all of that connection seems to evaporate in our sleep, and the height of our spirituality that day might be our first cup of coffee. That might be the very height of our day. And we go, I guess this is just it. This is what I do Monday through Saturday. And God wants you to know that you don't need to settle. That was why Jesus came into the temple and threw over the tables and threw people out because he said, stop settling for less than God wants you to have. Stop standing in the river of life and never dipping down and taking a drink. I want you to have so much more. And yet sometimes we settle for like someone else's story. We hear someone else's story and we're like, ah, oh, that's so meaningful to me. But we, we ride on that and we don't say, God, what do you want to say to me? And we just feel good about it and we let it be enough. We hear an inspiring message and we go, oh, that was great. But we never really implement it. We never meditate on it. We never go back to that same scripture during the week. We just rely on someone else's story or teaching instead of, Digging in and saying, God, what do you want to say to me? Listen, no worship service, no message, no song, how amazing it is, will ever substitute for Jesus himself in your life. For having the Holy Spirit indwell you and inspire you and speak loudly through the scriptures to you. Nothing can substitute for that. And that is the dream of Jesus for you. To have that kind of direct connection to your life. So don't be a settler. Don't settle for less than everything that God wants to give you in your life. Don't hold back from him. He wants to give you a loving and confident relationship. And you might feel like, well, I'm not holy enough or you don't know my past. Right, I don't. And you might not be, but join the club. Join the club. It's not about how smart we are or how much we like to read or how good our life is together and how much we have it together on the outside. It's about our heart and our desire to say, God, will you do this work in me? I am desperate for you to do something in me. And even if it's, God, I don't even want that yet, but I want that to happen to me. I want to be that desperate. So even the want to want to is a very beginning of asking for God to come in and dwell your life and change you and give you a direct connection because that's what he desires. And there will be days where someone else's direct connection will be the very thing that inspires you to get back to yours. It's not that I'm downplaying any of that. It's that it always needs to be about what's God doing in you. What did you hear that inspired you from their story? What's God want to do in you because of that? How are you inviting his presence into your life? This summer, you're going to have the opportunity to go to a lot of places, probably go on vacations and have nice days. And it could be all doing that without ever getting in the hammock and having a soulful conversation with God. You could ride that coattail and think it's all good and get to the end of your summer and being like, I wish I was closer to God than I started the summer with. And I want you to know that it's possible. Not just possible, probable. But you've got to ask God for it. You've got to seek Him in. You've got to say, and even if it's, I don't know what's holding me back, it's that soulful conversation that is the beginning point. So are you ready for more? Let me talk to you about one last thing that I believe Jesus was addressing here, and it happened when he cleared the temple, and that's what might be holding you back is infected wounds. Wounds that are infected. So when Jesus clears out the temple, what's the very next thing that happens? The lame and the blind, the people with leprosy, they, they begin to roll into the temple. 
to a place that they felt excluded from suddenly has become open to them. Why? Because they are convinced and they know that Jesus is a person that wants to heal them, that wants to give them healing. And they know that if they have that healing, it could change their life. This is what Jesus wants for all of you. Everybody who has a wound is someone that Jesus wants to heal. He wants to heal you. He wants to change you. Now, we all have wounds. And having a wound in itself isn't just the problem. The problem is often we bury those wounds. Things from growing up that we're just, we don't even want to talk about because they hurt us. Things that people said to us that we just don't want to deal with. Losses in our life that we're like, yeah, I'm just going to keep myself busy and so I can get past it. Those are all wounds, and if you leave them unaddressed, you know what happens when you get a splinter in your toe from like walking on your deck? Maybe this only happens to me. I get splinters in my toe from walking on my deck. Should, I need to do something about my deck. But that's the point is, you get the splinter in there. What happens if you don't address it after two or three days? You get the wound in there, but what happens? You know about it, right? I mean, when your foot, when that thing starts to get red and infected, you know about it. It lets you know about it. And in your life, your life has let you know about it too. There are habits and hang-ups in your life that keep rising up and you want them to be changed, but they keep coming back. And they're arising out of a wound that's infected because you haven't addressed it, because you haven't allowed God to be in that moment. You guys have heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. You cannot heal what you do not feel. And if you ignore it and you don't address it, God can never bring healing to you. Now, this past week, I got to walk through a very difficult time with my dad. And uh, this past year has been a very difficult time to walk through with him and to watch him slowly slip away from this life. But I knew what he wanted, and more than that, I told someone the other day when they were asking me how I was doing with it, I said, listen, I said, one of the things that I'm most grateful for is that God kept my dad around for 75 years. Not just because, like, hey, he got to be here, but here's why. Because in that 75 years, it let me have time to catch up and expose some of my own interior wounds, things that were holding me back from a relationship with my dad that we could have, things that I was holding against him that I didn't mean to, things that I had left unaddressed, that in the last week of his life, I got to be with him in, and we became more than just friends. We became brothers. We became not just father and son, friends. We talk about what Jesus really wanted from him and what he hoped for him. So grateful for that. Things like bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, sins have become less and less in my life because I've been willing to open up my life and let God address some deeper wounds. So I encourage you to do the same. And you might be like me, like you just were raised fiercely independent. I pull myself up from my bootstraps. I don't got any of those wounds because you just have punched them down and you're not worried about them. No, but that very strength of yours is the very, it was formed by some pain and some wound. And if you let God address it, it will become stronger than it's ever been because God's spirit will fill it and use it to bless others. So take those layers off. Let God do a new thing. Address that hurt or that hang-up or that wound that's holding you back from trusting Him. God wants to be there. And if you'll reveal it and you'll let yourself feel it, God will begin to dress that wound in a way that you can't even imagine. 
and it'll be the thing that maybe has held you back for too long and you're just like, I don't, no more, no more. So here's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to, I'm going to read something over you this morning. I'm just a, a piece of prose, a bit of a prayer, a bit of a blessing. But during that time, I want you to reach into your program guide and you're going to see this little card in there. If you don't have it, you can tear something in half around you, whatever you need to do. And this, basically, here's what the card says. What's holding you back from soulful conversations with God this summer? God this summer, I want to have a more soulful conversation about whatever it is. Internal barriers, or no direct connection, or infected wounds. You can, he has a little place for you just to write a little prayer, but it's, this is what I want you to do. During, while I'm writing and John's playing, I want you, and even during the next song if you want, but record that. And bring it up here to the hammock and put it in the hammock as your way of commitment to God this summer, your way of sealing the deal with God, saying, listen, I don't know we're going to get this fixed, but what I do know, God, is I'm going to talk to you about it, and I'm going to invite you into it, and I'm going to let you change me this summer. And even if it's a question mark, because you don't even know yet today, it's okay. Allow yourself the moment with God to say, I commit it to you, God. So I'm going to read over you, and then I'm going to let you, you just process it while I'm reading. Come up anytime while I'm reading, or anytime during the next song. Oh God, our Father, our helper, and our hope. We have this idea that when we pray, or when we worship, or when we draw close to you, that we need to be doing something. Only we're not certain of what we should be doing. Should we crawl on our hands and knees? Should we dance and wave our arms? Should we force our minds to concentrate on you? This is sad because we just don't know how to be with you. Our feelings of guilt push us into nervous activity as if there was this huge empty space between our bodies and your spirit. And our responsibility was to fill that space, to build a bridge with repentance, or a ladder with vows and promises, or a long winding staircase with our desperate prayers. Only our spiritual blindness prevents us from seeing that through Jesus Christ, you have drawn close to us. There is no huge empty space, but only one holy space all around us, moving in us and through us. When you exhale, Lord, you breathe your spirit and life into us. So breathe on us, spirit of Christ. Breathe on us, spirit of wisdom and revelation. Breathe on us, spirit of holiness. And as for us, what is our part? What will we do? We will exhale our sin and inhale, inhale forgiveness. We will exhale our burden and inhale peace. We will exhale darkness and death. We will inhale light and eternal life. We have asked you to come to us, but make us a conscious fact that you're already there, that you already want to be with us, that you will teach us how to simply be with you. Remove all the barriers and be merciful to us and show us that forgiveness is on its way before the words are even out of our mouth. O oh God, our Father, Jesus, our Savior, Holy Spirit, our comfort, we praise you.